Welcome to Black Imagination, where Antoine and I open up our Black space to our Black and Brown friends doing dope things in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE Podcast Network. So go get out your sage sticks, light some incense, and join the conversation. Be sure to follow us at Imagine MKE on all your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, here's the show. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Black Imagination. I am your co-host, Kamita Hickman, with... Antoine Carter, pronouns gang gang. Gang gang. And um, we are super, super duper excited about today's show. But before we get into that, um, how are you today, Antoine? Well, I'm doing swell. Like, school's kicking me in the face, NPS. Like, I got an eight-year-old, and he thinks online school is so lame. <laughs> so lame. So I got to stay on him, which is becoming a balance. Mm-hmm. It's no longer work-life balance. It's like work-life-school-parent balance. So dealing with that, but it's cool. How about you? Um, sharing similar sentiments to your baby Che. Um, I too think that working from home is lame. And it's interesting because prior to COVID, I was like, I want to cut down my in-person meetings. I want to go to virtual meetings. And now I'm like, so I got to sit in this computer chair like all day. But I did get a really nice, cushy leather one. So I feel very bossy when I am at my desk for a zillion hours. Um, But something that I do to try to break it up is I try to uh, listen to TV in the background. So as you know, my latest obsession is uh, CSU Miami. Mm-hmm. because I just don't understand why they so dramatic about everything, about <laughs> everything, like every crime, like everything. And that just really helps break up, give me a little bit of, of levity. But enough about us. Um, we have an incredible, incredible show today. We have two amazing guests on. And I have to tell you, um, we booked them before um, a recent announcement that we will we will talk more about but we have the amazing Commissioner Kowalik and Chief of Staff Lillian Payne on the call on Black Imagination. And um, when we told our, our colleagues that we were booking y'all, they were like, oh, those are really great gets. Of course it is. Yes, that's how Black <laughs> Imagination gets down. Who don't want to come on Black Imagination? So thank you guys so much um, for being on our show today. How are y'all? Hey. I got four days left, so I'm great. <laughs> I'm tired though. That means I gotta condense a lot of things into a little bit of time, so. And so mentioning that you have four days left, I wanted to start off today's interview as a black woman talking to two other black women. And I wanted to give y'all some flowers, but also tell you how y'all being in the positions that you guys are in landed on me. So I found out that commissioner that you were leaving via a text message. Um, Somebody sent me a text message of the link of the announcement. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be in a meeting with two other black women and we really had a moment of silence. We stopped the meeting. um, And one of the women on the call started going through her network to try to validate how true it was. Um, But we were all in shock. We, 
because for me at least, now I think I met you at, we have a common friend, um, and I met you at her party, and I remember the talk that we had um, on the corner outside, and I just remember feeling like, oh man, she's so cool, and had I gone to Marshall, which is a school, other school I wanted to go to, even though I went to King, um, Marshall was the journalism school, so had I not gotten into King, I would have been at Marshall, and um, just for me, seeing a Black woman in the space um, who came back to Milwaukee, who's in the same age group as me, has the same friends as me, um, but come back to Milwaukee in a lead position, um, that was incredibly inspiring to me. And so getting your announcement that you were leaving was incredibly heartbreaking for me because I do have a low immune system and chief of staff Payne will tell you that I've been in our DMs asking some very, <laughs> some very pointed questions about um, how can I entertain somebody's son during COVID and asking for links on how to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, for me, it felt so incredible to see um, you in this position. And when I would see you do your conference, your um, news conferences, especially early on, um, I felt advocated for as a Black woman who also has some autoimmune disorders. And so when the rest of the world was going crazy, I felt safe knowing that you were going to, to, to make sure we were protected. And, and that goes for you, too, as well. Um, Chief of Staff Payne, when I got the text that Commissioner was leaving, I immediately said, is she taking her with her? Is she going? <laughs> because if she go, we screwed. <laughs> like, right. I want to go too. Like, what they need? What do they need? They need somebody to transcribe some meetings. Take me with you, Jesus. Um, and so, again, in the same way, I met you. You connected with me via LinkedIn. We had um, coffee at Collectivo and what have you. Um, and I've been following your movements as well. Again, seeing another Black woman in this space where you could have gone anywhere. Um, I'm just incredibly proud of the work that you've done, um, the both of you. And um, yeah, I'm really sad that you're leaving, Commissioner. So hearing can all I that, give how out some that flowers? land on you? Can I give out some flowers? Can I give out some flowers? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. So, Ms. Payne. Like me and you go way back. So people who may not know us, we were some of the few blacks in urban ag making moves. So we we had always had like, she look out for me, I look out for her. And when she switched to this new role, which was more in her wheelhouse, more her natural state, I thought that was a great move. And Kamish, I feel like I don't, I don't know you like Kanita do. We ain't never had no meetings. You're supposed to have a meeting with me, but we never did. Yeah, but that's okay. But one thing that I really liked about your approach was like, I remember one time you talked about, I think it was an initiative called Living Your Best Life, right? That's our vision. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, she's trying to talk to me. Like, <laughs> like talking like an approach i used to see you like you had the Giannis's on with the full coming to america fit yes that was and i was time. like i was like oh that's my commission right there that's what's up like <laughs> like i don't see i'm bad like a chain yeah but it made me think that you're authentic and you will bring that into your work 
and and make sure that people like me who aren't always talked to but maybe talked at mm-hmm. get that same feeling so I want to thank you for but both of you guys for all of your tremendous work. So now you guys. And well, before before we get into this, also also the, the articles that I've read post resignation, right? There's a specific phrase you said that I was like, that is ambitious and audacious, but it's also right on. Karen explained. I had never seen a professional black woman put it in print, release it publicly, <laughs> and say, this is what it was. That's uh, amazing. I, yes. Yeah. So, so, so now, how does, how does all of that land on you in this moment, receiving the flowers, but also knowing that you have to make this jump? And, and then I'll offer the same question to you, Chief of Staff Payne, knowing the position that you're in and the work that you will continue to do, how does all of this land on you? And we'll start with you, Commissioner Kowalik. Oh. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I mean, and it is true. Like when you think about your like first interaction with someone, right? Like how you never forget how somebody made you feel, right? Uh, it's always been my intention to come back, not to be self-serving or to fill my ego. When I had started my career in public health, I learned what a health commissioner was and knew that this was an opportunity that normally you don't learn about. You know, you see nurses, Mm -hmm. maybe epidemiology, maybe some managers, but no one's talking about health officer, health commissioner as a career, right? Um, So when I learned that that was an option, I was like, I want to do that. I want to be that, right? And the reason for that wasn't the title. It was because of the impact. So at that time, when I was at the health department as an intern, um, working under the health operations administrator, which was Bevan Baker at the time, um, I was really poured into and inspired to continue my studies, to move into like different types of internships, to like really move beyond, you know, uh, where I was at at that point in my life. At that point in my life, I was in a really rough space. Like, single mom, I was, you know, I had my Quest card, you know, I was on welfare, I was struggling. But my um, ability, God, God, you know, blessed me with the ability to move out of poverty into a career and then eventually advance and be able to come back to the place where I learned about this opportunity and to help other people such as Lillian, like bring other people on and create opportunities for them. And that's something that I see, I don't see enough of in Milwaukee is sponsorship. I don't see enough of us helping to move other black people into positions of leadership. I see a lot of promises i see a lot of invites to events and parties but i i don't see a lot of people getting put on in the jobs lately i've started to see that because of the whole black lives matter movement people are more aware but before that rarely you would see that so it's always been my intention the way i was you know trained and raised is to always give back so I'm always looking for ways to do that. And it's funny you make the comment about DC. She come with you. 
if Lillian wanted to come to DC, we would make a way, but she has to stay in Milwaukee. So that that's that. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's, again, being in these spaces, it's one thing to be a black woman in a leadership position, but it's another thing to be supported in a position. And even before I got in it, it was drama. I mean, from all different angles. But then once I got in it, it just was, okay, who is it today? Who's coming at me uh, sideways today? Who got beef with me today? Who wants to smoke today? And you know, when you're in a public position, you can't pop off back at people. You cannot be petty publicly. That will destroy your career, I'm sorry. You have to you know, have grace. You have to be you know, polished. You, there's just all of these things that you have to do. And it's exhausting. So I'm happy that the opportunity in DC came about. I was recruited for that opportunity, but you know, eventually I would have had to move out of this role. It's just too much stress. So thank (laughs) y'all. No problem. Lillian, anything you want to add? Um, you've, you've touched a lot, um, on the experiences of leading as a black woman within the context of Milwaukee. Um, I think that, uh, as you said, you don't necessarily have the freedom or leisure or permission that others have to, um, course correct people publicly. You have to get your Maxine water on. You have to lean on your auntie, right? Your auntie and within to let people know your slip showing and this is what you're not going to do. And how do you do that um, in a city that's so small? Like there's a nickname, Small Walkie, or um, for some, it's like a new walkie. It's the tale of two cities within the context of networking. And what what does that look like? And what opportunities do you have to do just that as a person of color um, with some education? Man. Okay, here's my question to all three of you women, because you guys are all bosses, all have tough jobs, all had tough jobs. And there had to be a lot of hate, a lot of bickering, a lot of like, who she thinks she is, from people who may say other things in public. Um, How do you guys deal with that? Like, while still trying to make change, because it's probably that gets overwhelming, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's people always gonna have something to say about what you do and how you present yourself. And, you know, honestly, leaving Milwaukee, living in other cities really helped me to move out of my comfort zone, right? Um, I felt like I didn't start really living until I left Milwaukee. I left Milwaukee the first time in 2012, I moved to mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I had moved back to Madison for a little while. And then back, then I moved to DC in 2016. So, you know, and this is just, again, I think a real issue with Milwaukee in general is that there isn't like this general sense of you're trying to, you know, self-actualize and, and whatever your God-given purpose is in life, try to do it. It's more of you trying to keep the peace and not upset people you may have grown up with, went to school with, people in your family. 
So you keep yourself small or you, you don't, you know, shine as much as you probably should because people will start having something to say or they'll, you know, like you just said, who do you think you are? Or, you know, start treating you funny or some kind of way. And it's like, there's not, granted, Milwaukee has, it, we're not like some little towns where there's like 10 black people, you know what I mean? Like we have a community here, but to, to survive in the community, it's like there's this need to be small. And that's always been my feeling growing up here mm -hmm. that I'd never really felt the support maybe from a couple of people, random, normally it's not even someone in my circle of influence, it's random strangers. But once I left Milwaukee and I was, you know, in these bigger markets, Madison don't count. Madison was whack. I do not recommend living in Madison. You're black. <laughs> it was the wackest um, of all time. But I, I'm just keeping it 100. Um, <laughs> she on her Takashi six nine today. She right. out. <laughs> but no, seriously though, like it was like living in Chicago, living in DC, like where I felt like genuine support and pushing and just like do you be you, like be authentic. Don't why are you stand out? Don't try to fit in with everybody else. That's whack. Like that, you know, could really kind of leaning into who you really are. If you want to do present yourself a certain way, you do that. But here it's like, you know, people, unless you're like in maybe a little artsy circle or something like that, <laughs> or some kind of way, they're like, eh, like they can't, you know, always got something to say about other people. Like, what about your life? <laughs> what about your goals? What about your contributions to society? Like, why is there so much focus on what other people are doing instead of your, your own life? You know, why are you intimidated because someone else is doing them? And I think that's a thing about Milwaukee too. It's like, um, like when you mentioned no one gets sort of sponsored, it's almost like the folks in those positions are scared that you're going to replace them. Because there, there is some like tokenism in Milwaukee and there's, mm -hmm. and there's professionals who protect the tokenism for themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I know me, I've always been and Lillian, we go way back. I've always had on a hat and some crazy shoes looking black, <laughs> black AF and, and have been unapologetic, but it's been tough. Like I remember when I first started and I didn't have like, people didn't know my work. They'd be like, why do you keep on showing up with these hats on? And I'm like, cause I like hats. Right. Show yeah. And um and eventually it came around to where people don't sweat me about that. And now I'm a I'm a breath of fresh air because you know I'm a show, you know I'm gonna come in and be myself. I may fart. <laughs> Maybe you need to be gluten free, man. Is that what the gluten's fix? It can make you have like crazy gas. What's so my gluten game is low. I think we have a colleague who's not with the glutens and I don't know what y'all be eating. <laughs> expensive, expensive as bread. That's what you be eating. <laughs> You're like, uh, 
I'm gonna buy you that bread because I don't want you tearing up the bread. <laughs> you know, I think um, I think for me, what's helped me maintain some sense of sanity in this space is developing a group of Black women that I can talk to. Um, that that is not something that I even thought I needed until recently. Like, I didn't recognize that that was necessary. I've always been, and I think all of us can relate to this, I've always been able to kind of get into these white spaces, right? Like, I'm Black, but I'm also safe. I make people feel comfortable, I'm palatable, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and so I've always been aware that I was black, but I didn't always, I wasn't always aware that that's why I was invited into oh. the room. Once I, once I recognized that that's why I was invited into the room, it was like, well, what are you going to do with that now? Mm-hmm. How do you create opportunities to speak on behalf of folks who are not at the table? And how do you create room to be at the table? And honestly, how do you become more unabashedly black? How do you how do you do that? How do you say Karen Splane in a room and you right. like I said what I said? The end. Um, and so, right. but it is exhausting. It is hard dealing with microaggressions is difficult. Mm-hmm. And having to discern when to speak up is difficult. And so, having a group of black women to insulate me has been helpful but it's even harder to make those connections yes. during COVID because you can't bond over watching Scandal or how to get away with murder and a glass of wine, right? Like we can't be together. Um, and so that's been very difficult, but also what's given me hope again is seeing black women like you rise in spaces that weren't traditionally thought to include black women. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with the the older person who wouldn't mask up. Oh, Bowman. Yeah. Like that, watching it on the news, I had to actually stop watching the news because I was watching MSNBC every day, all day. Like I could tell you the numbers of who died and where and what was popping. And then I was sneaking onto y'all little uh, calls at three o'clock with Mayor Barrett mm-hmm. on Zoom to see what he was talking about. You gotta stay informed. You are an informed citizen. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. It, it is, and but it was so incredible to to see you guys at the forefront of that. Mm -hmm, And it's crazy that in 2020, as a black woman, I'm still fighting to be seen. That I still need to see y'all to know that I am seen. Um, For that to even still be a first, right? So that's interesting to me. Are you ladies used to being the first women to do things? I was just getting ready to ask y'all, are y'all watching Lovecraft Country? Have you seen that HBO show? I am not. What? I start watching it when I quit because then I have time to watch it. Okay, so okay. episode Sell three. Sell me on this. Episode three, because I don't know if I could do it justice. Each episode has a theme. And it is like Tales from the Crypt meets Twilight Zone because Jordan Peele is behind it and so is J.J. April. I'm bringing it up. Mm. Okay. I'm bringing it up because episode three is about pioneering. And it says pioneering is dangerous. And that episode explores what it's like to integrate a white neighborhood because the background, the context is Chicago in the 1950s. 
and um, you got some wizardry in there, you got some magic happening, and it shows <laughs> how pioneering is dangerous. Um, it it plays on true life situations. Like there's a character on there named Bobo. That's in the field. Would you have known that? No, you would not have known that. The main character, Letty, that's a play on Dorothy Dandridge. So my, my point is the way she was harassed as she bought property, um, mm. sharing the space with her half-sister, um, and what Black men did and did not do to show up and be, be protected of, um, of that community. So, yes, there's always... When it comes to being a black and woman in America, you we did it first. That's why you should listen to black women. That's why you should cite black women, and that's why you should trust black women. Period. I feel like I just threw you a lob and you dunked it. Like yeah. you put it between your legs, wrapped it around your back, and jammed that bad right. boy. Can we just get that on a poster so that I can like we can just collectively hold that up at meetings when we don't want to talk? We can just be like the uh, me, trust black the four square. Yes, the four square. Yeah. We need that. For real. We, we need that. So this is a selfish selfish question, Commissioner Quali. Uh -huh. Your work that you're engaging in in DC, how will it impact me in Milwaukee? I just need to know, am I still under the umbrella? Am I still protected <laughs> by a black yeah. woman? So part of my transition or when my, I have my epiphany as I'm like the hamster in the wheel here locally is there was a couple of things that stood out to me about COVID, right? One is the chronic underfunding of public health. The health department in Milwaukee, we only received 2% of the city budget, right? Like we weren't equipped to be able to deal with this pandemic as we should have been. As like, if you look at health departments in other cities that are more well-funded, but nationally speaking, public health is underfunded, especially under this administration that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one mm -hmm. thing. The second thing is there's all this money being put in the COVID, but a lot of the money is going to turn into a pumpkin as of January 1st, 2021. So what's going to happen once the money dries up? You know, we're, we're finally getting an electronic health record at the health department. That's why we weren't able to do community testing. We didn't have that tool to be able to support that level of work. So, I mean, the National Guards, uh, the state had deployed them to set up these community testing sites on the north side and the south side. But those are just examples of um, underinvestments in public health that really set us back. So there needs to be some um, investment in the long game. COVID is going to be with us for another year or more, right? Don't don't mm -hmm. you know? Don't fall for the hype about oh, this vaccine is going to be available November first, conveniently before the election, right? Uh, we don't know like when it's going to be available, if it's going to be available. So there's even all this talk about who's getting priority, who will get the vaccine and who ain't, you know, all of this stuff. You know, we've seen this before, the inequity of who gets uh, re limited resources and who doesn't. We saw this with HIV, you know, and all of this too. We still have disparities mm -hmm. for HIV. I mean, it's just ridiculous mm -hmm. that we're still even talking about that. But, you know, it's just, 
the ability to shift from a local to a state to a national level to be someone that has experience has credibility as being a health commissioner in the largest city in the state of Wisconsin that uh, was able to a champion declaration of racism as a public health crisis, which had an ordinance, mm -hmm. which had action items tied to it that we were just getting ready to do, but then the COVID hit. So at least, you know, we were able to prioritize sharing that information about how COVID was affecting our community so we could do something about it. And that helped other cities across the country start sharing theirs. And then we saw this trend. This is not related to some failure of the health department. This is related to racism. We were seeing this play out in all of these cities, black and brown people were being hit the hardest. So what is being done? And you know, then we start seeing all of this Black Lives Matter social justice um, demonstrations about policy change, about making sure policies that are developed so to benefit everybody to a certain extent. Um, you know, it's just, again, we just gotta get this election wrapped up. We gotta vote. You know, they're gonna have some trickery on us, a vote early. You know, make sure your stuff, everything's legit. Do not, you know, fall for any of the, the lies that are out here about rights to vote. You can't vote twice. You know, all this stuff Trump is trying to talk about. You know, our ancestors fought for that, for us to vote. They knew what was up. They knew they needed representation. So, so that that's what I'm going to be doing is really helping at the national level to be able to help us back home. Thank you. I appreciate that because I almost cried, child. Um, so Chief she of Staff. She didn't forget hey, about you. Reading up on you, you actually have some intersectionality in the arts. I mean, forensics, when I saw forensics, I was like, this is my girl. Because four, yes. minutes, four minute speech was my category. Like my Jerry Springer speech, y'all wasn't touching that. Like, not at all. Um, <laughs> And so seeing that you have this intersectionality with the arts, I am curious about how, how the transition into public health, um, why not a career in the arts as a, a speaker or a poet or what have you? Oh. I always look to, uh, I, so here's the thing. I'm not part of the NPS gang gang. Mm -mm. I was chapter 220 and bust out to the suburbs from kindergarten to uh, 12th grade. And for me, the arts were a way of coping with all that stuff. I didn't have the language for what I experienced. I didn't have the language for what I internalized, but that was coping. And it was fun to be into science because that was, uh, again, a way to escape. So um, I didn't have a choice about public speaking and my oratory skills. My mama has said, I have um, issues with public speaking. You know, I freeze up, that's not gonna be you. That's not gonna be you. So I benefited from TRIO program. I've been at UWM all my life. Like it started out as college for kids, then it was pre-college academy, and then I became a student, right? So. I feel that I had transferable skills. It was something that was fun and I used as a way of coping, but then I also used, um, sometimes um, reluctantly used, right? I, I don't seek the spotlight and um, I will get the job done if I don't see it being done in a way that it could be done. 
you can speak to that right at work I point out solutions and I give mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. space to figure it out but I will guide you along the way and I'm happy to do that um I would say that I it's an outlet um and that it comes out in in the public health world the being able to speak the appreciation of um, painting and uh, music and it, it lets me connect with some folks like find a community especially not being part of the MPS gang gang <laughs> um, I had to figure out uh, where I fit in where I belong that's always been a theme of where do I fit and where I belong and um, I'm amazing I have something to offer and not necessarily being around people all the time that saw that about me you know I I I felt art let me do that. Let me be me. I mean, y'all know I like karaoke. You also <laughs> You also need to highlight your makeup skills. Oh yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. That's her her art expression and her makeup. <laughs> I appreciate you pointing that and out. Accessories. Yes. You learn when you're a poster child. Mm-hmm. That's what they do to us only and other people only and others <laughs> and first become um, a symbol that you don't yeah. have control over and at <laughs> one time when I was tired and had finished my capstone presentation that's all it took was one time they snapped a quick photo all I had put on was lip gloss when I saw that photo I was like no not again <laughs> and not gonna test me Wait, comments. Man, that just <laughs> happened to me. Oh my God, that just happened to me. So, um, so we are we're transforming uh, Moody Park. We're we're painting the courts um, to mm. to honor victims of gun violence. And um, they had this uh, press conference at Moody Park, and I was just there with my little guy to show some support. I was. I was clearly not dressed for this thing. I had on some like some joggers, but they were like high waters. So then, and I was literally just coming to support. And I remember like they were like, come sit, come stand behind us. And I was like, okay, I can stand in the back. You won't see my pants. I'm good. And then they were like, we need somebody to talk. And then like three people looked at me and I was like, oh man. Man, yeah, and I was like, no, I wasn't ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> but I did it. And my mom was like, man, why you wear them pants? Thank you. So I'll never get cross looking again. <laughs> man. Yeah, no, you got to always be camera ready. So just like you got you to gotta stay petty so you don't have to get petty. You got to stay ready so you don't have to get petty. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that stay that stay ready thing is like for black people because I've gone to engagements where people who are not black they show up in like a J. Crew sweater. You can tell that they probably had some type of tuna sandwich with onion for Stop. lunch for and that. sandals <laughs> or water shoes. And they show up water like, shoes uh, or socks and sandals, right? And they show up ready. Me, I've made a makeup appointment. I've gotten my hair done. I'm wearing a designer from a black person. 
I hired my photographer to come in. Like we don't have the opportunity to just show up and high water joggers like here we are because we may not be invited back. But I must say though, in different markets, the, the level of, of you know, your presentation is different. Like this Milwaukee, especially Madison, like people do that in other markets. People, people are bringing the brands, they're bringing, they're, you know, they, you know, they're all made up, they're good. Mm -hmm. I think it's just here. I'm not buying no camera yep. crew. Please don't you poach me, commissioner, because I will go. <laughs> My boss just walked past me. I'll be like, hey, commissioner said, I, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. I'm doing, but I'm going. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Obama out. So I know we don't have a ton of time left. Antoine had a question about your karaoke, chief of staff pain. Yes. What's your karaoke song? What's y'all karaoke so I song? Get she got so many. What's your favorite of hers? You like newer stuff like <laughs> trap music. You do a lot of the trap karaoke. That sound lit. Or was that was that uh, Pilates? It was some kind of. Oh, she lost audio. We'll just say she lit her favorite karaoke song is Future. Anything by Future. <laughs> anything by Future? No Wait, anything by Offset? Whoa! What? 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 <laughs> No, there's, there's, Wait, no, oh, there's no wop for him. Okay, she's reconnecting the audio. I tried a Cardi B song for my first time to doing karaoke, and I have a new respect for rappers. It's really, it's really hard. hard. Really, really, really hard. I am curious, even though you are leaving Commissioner Kowalik, I'm curious about what is your future? What What is your vision of a future Milwaukee? So I do have hope for Milwaukee. I think that there's a lot of energy. There's little cells and little groups that are trying to do some pretty dope things related to tech and, and innovation and in arts. So it's like, how do we join, get these groups to join forces to really help move Milwaukee into the future, right? And then to just be like more supportive of elevating and not feel threatened. I think some of the younger folks are really helping with some of that. I mean, also too, when you have people that are from Milwaukee, like myself, you, you're from here, you leave, you come back, you come back with a different perspective, but you're still like, you know, Milwaukee, like homeboy, homegirl, like home person. So I think traveling or living in other places and coming back helps right? Because you're not some stranger from out of town. And then people are like, who is you? You know, you know how we are when people aren't from here. And you just like, what's your intention? You gonna do right by me, Harpo? You couldn't survive in Chicago, mm -hmm. so that's why you here. You gonna do right by me, Harpo. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sometimes it be your own people. Right. Man. All right, so Lillian said her favorite karaoke song is Tracy Chapman, Give Me One Reason. It's a classic. Okay. That is a good song. Wow. I See, and I thought it was going to be Gucci Man Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a few minutes left. So I do want to ask you my signature question <laughs> to wrap up. What are, who are some of your favorite Milwaukee artists? Ooh. 
of any of any sort of medium. Hmm. I would say my niece, Anika mm. Kowali. She's dope. Tell us more. <laughs> so she has gallery, gallery shows. And she, her art really has a, a focus on um, pro-Blackness and respecting, you know, like various elements of our culture and who we are. She likes to highlight that in her work. And I love that she just, this is what her soul was telling her to do. So it's very meaningful to me to see her blossom uh, in this space. I feel like I've seen her name. Uh, is she connected to Cactus Club? Yep, she worked there. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, so I think one other question that I had that maybe if Lillian is back um, or Commissioner Kowalik, in talking about the arts, what what role could the arts play in COVID education, right? Because mm -hmm. we work for an arts org and we obviously want to help be a part of the solution as well. Um, Antoine is director of neighborhood and neighborhood support. I'm the director of artist support and outreach. What is the role of arts in public health? Well, definitely there's been some energy uh, bringing arts in. We received some funding from uh, Advancing Healthier Wisconsin. It's this project called Stop COVID-19. And uh, we were able to fund some uh, local artists to do some work for um, various communities of color. So uh, some of the work that they did was like really you know, engaged and just different. It's not like the lame, like <laughs> stay home, save life, you know. Like, definitely um, more, you know, cultured and, and, and innovative than what you would normally think of. So, um, but I think that that's the key is funding different types of outreach, uh, different types of um, resources that people need. We know people have a lot of basic human needs. So how do we do that in a way that honors the arts, you know? Uh, and then lastly, like with COVID and, you know, people have been doing a lot of stuff outdoors and having like, you know, a lot of, there's still a lot of um, demonstrations and whatnot, but like people just rolling up and playing music. That's dope. Just go to certain blocks and just start jamming out. Just get it going. Working around in a circle. <laughs> right. Bring the entertainment to the people. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Uh... The this people's movement or the movement for the people. <laughs> so, Chief of Staff Payne, same question for you. Um, what do you think is the role of arts in public health? Or what what is the imagination of what arts could do to support public health? That's a beautiful question. And the first thing I thought of was the Harlem Renaissance. Hmm. and our connection back to forensics. My my category was prose and novice post. Langston Hughes was my dude, <laughs> my first literary crush. And I think that um, even though he would have been, wouldn't have been checking for me. Um, um, I think that we have to honor and acknowledge um, movement songs, um, speeches that capture that moment in time and photographs. Gordon Pike and all his photographs. I mean, who's 
who it's not to say who's the next Gordon Parks or who's the next Langston Hughes, it's who is right now. And um, just like with Black Lives Matter, some folks say it's a leaderless movement, but I think it's a collaborative um, effort and, and a collaborative action. And, and that's kind of what's happening now. Can't just pin it on one person or one moment, but you can definitely connect it with other moments in history. So a, a lot of that right now, those connections are being made to police brutality. Um, everybody declaring racism as a public health crisis. Blueprint came from WPHA. You're all welcome you? for that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what that means, right? What is your stake in the struggle? Because each generation has, I don't want to misquote Coretta King, but um, you have to claim your own and um, take calculated risks so that you can say, well, someone looks back that you were there and this is what you did to help affect change. So that's, Public health started out as a social movement. Mm -hmm. So honor and respect that. And um, who you with? Who you with? So who are some of your favorite Milwaukee artists? That's not a fair question. Uh -uh. I try to support people with my money because I can't be out there like that, right? I'm Lillian Payne, but I'm Lillian Payne adjacent to a lot of things. So I try to um, donate money. I try to, I love networking, you know, pre-COVID. I don't necessarily like people, right? And by that, I mean, I don't, I'm not charged or recharged by spending time with groups of people. Yep. I recharge solo. That's what I mean. And before we couldn't be in the same space at the same time. If I knew someone or had just met someone, regardless of how long I've known them, and they're into something, say um, wellness, I'm going to be like, I know someone that does this or knows that. I'm not going to say without what I'm thinking. Like, I know someone that can make you do it better because you're kind of struggling right now. But I don't say that. I'd be like, I know somebody. And I know they can help you. And I'm going to make sure that y'all meet. And once y'all meet, you don't have to hug me. You don't even have to thank me. You thank me by connecting with the person I introduced you to. And that's, that's, that's my contribution. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Commissioner Kowalik. I did want to add that CH in there. And then uh, Chief of Staff Payne, you guys have mm -hmm. been awesome guests. And I feel like I've learned a lot. It was really cool to listen to three black women talk and just listen. So good luck in your endeavors and Chief of Staff Payne, continue the great work you're doing. Thanks for listening to Black Imagination with Antoine and Kanita. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast. Be sure to rate us five stars, share a positive review. It really helps people find us. Also, be sure to email us at pod at imaginemke. Don't forget to like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under imagine underscore mke. Anything else you'd like to mention, Kanita? You can also find us on Facebook at imagine mke. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.